Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Adam Morgan. The Colorado Legislature has just over 10 weeks left in their 17-week session. For Coloradans age 65-plus, there was very high interest last summer and fall on what lawmakers were going to do regarding the long-time benefit for seniors, the homestead exemption. In short, the benefit allows seniors who have lived in their current homes for at least 10 years a property tax break. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. With some movement taking place, Eileen Doherty of the Colorado Gerontological Society joins us with a check-in on the exemption and an update on the Society's major annual event, as it is also Salute to Seniors Time. Well, there's quite a bit of activity, actually, with the Senior Homestead Exemption Program. Um, There's a bill that's been introduced by uh, Representative Sue Backman, So the purpose of Representative Beckman's bill is to look at changing the current constitutional provision, which allows the legislature to fund that program to zero and basically to do an alternative to that, which is that it would basically mean the legislature could not fund it ever at zero and that they would always have to fund it. They could fund it maybe at a lower level than the $200,000 exemption, but they can't fund it to zero. I think in terms of a lot of the seniors, there's probably a great deal of support for that uh, because many of the seniors that at least are constituents of the Gerontological Society have voiced significant opinions that they want the homestead exemption to be Um, left alone in its current form. A second bill that is out there is um, Senator Gardner is looking at a bill to allow what's called portability. Under the current constitutional amendment, if an individual is not living in their home for 10 years or more and 65 and over, then they are not eligible for that particular benefit. So part of what happens is that if you were living in your house and you moved for some reason or other, you could not take that tax credit Mm -hmm. to your new home until you have lived in the new home for 10 years. What this particular bill or provision would do is it would make it, there would be a provision for you to be able to take the Uh, exemption with you regardless of how long you had lived in the new house if you moved for medical necessity. So if you're moving... tied to a medical necessity. necessity. Right. And not if you just lived in the prior house for 10 years and you wanted to move. Right. Right. Okay. So, and it's a little bit unclear to me at this point what constitutes a medical necessity, um, but I'm sure that definition would eventually be kind of ironed out, if you will. Yeah. There's a third um, initiative that's being talked about at this point in time, which is to fund the program to zero to effectively get rid of the senior homestead exemption and to look at restructuring Mm -hmm. how seniors might get some benefit. And this one is tied to an income tax credit. 
It also puts a means test on it under the current constitutional amendment, regardless of your income. If you meet the residency and the age requirement of 10 years and 65, everyone gets that tax credit if you apply for it through the county assessor. If you don't apply for it, then obviously you don't get it. Yeah. Under the provision to make it an income tax credit, um, there's a couple of things that are being looked at, but it would basically tie it either to adjusted gross income or taxable income. That is still being kind of talked about. Um, There's also discussion about how much people would get. Um, There's some sense that if you were a lower income person, you would probably get more than the current property tax credit, but it comes as an income tax credit. So it creates some issues around people would have to apply every year. Um, It does means tested, so there means there have to be some mechanism, if you will, to check what people's income is. Yeah means you'd have to file a 1040. Many seniors do not file 1040s, so there'd be some costs and time associated with that. If you do not owe any income tax, you would get a check in the mail, very similar to the earned income tax credit program at this point in time. Uh So that's kind of a rough overview of what they're looking at. Yeah. They're going to be running some more statistics to see whether or not this makes any sense. They're going to, you know, the goal with that program is basically to say that if you are a higher income person, you would not get anything. If you live in a home that is higher value, market value, your taxes are higher, um, that you wouldn't be entitled to any benefits of any kind. So it really kind of tries to refocus, if you will, the state's resources on, I don't know whether it's lower income, definitely low income. The question is whether or not and how much middle income individuals would really benefit at this moment because we haven't seen any numbers. And if it doesn't financially make any sense, then it probably is something that wouldn't go through because they're ultimately looking to Although they say they're not looking to save the state money, they don't want the program to grow. Yeah. Um, under the income model, the other thing that would happen is that the um, renters would be eligible to take advantage of this benefit as well. That's good that the renters would be able to. Right. That's probably one of the strongest um, benefits or uh, program features that they're talking about at this point. So you you think a final bill to be voted on is going to contain probably three key elements, one from each of those bills that are being talked about to propose? Mm, I don't know whether they will try to incorporate those or not. Yeah. If they go to the income tax model, then they will eliminate the property tax model. Yeah. Wow. Okay. If they... Eliminate the property tax model, or I mean the income model for whatever reason because it's too expensive or whatever, mm-hmm. then I don't know whether they would just leave it alone or whether they would do something else. The other thing that gets factored into here is a couple of years ago, the 
homestead exemption credits credits are part of the Tabor refunds. So if the states has a certain amount of surplus mm-hmm. and the voters are due a refund before just the general voter on the street it receives their refund under the Tabor calculations. Yeah. First you get the Tabor calculation, then they take off the amount of money that they credit for the homestead property tax credit, and then the balance of that is what is distributed to the voters. So if they take that um, out of the property tax credit Mm -hmm. world, then the amount of money that goes to voters if there is a homestead or I mean if there's a Tabor surplus um, would increase. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we have another 60 days or so to figure out what they're going to do with it. Yes, we do. And and you don't see them trying to kick that can down the road into uh, next year's session at all. Um, it might because I think it's getting very complicated at this stage of the game. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that there is a lot of concern about seniors not understanding what they're attempting to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here listening, and it sounds like this big, huge story problem that has an equation bracket on it to come up with anything. Well, and it's what is the messaging. And, will you know, these things, the issue is always in the details. Yeah. And until you really get the details, you don't know what you're you're looking at. And, you know, there's some um, comfort in what you know as opposed to what you don't know. So, you know, <laughs> Always seni- is, isn't it? Yeah. So seniors who are looking to say, you know, I really need to keep my property tax at an affordable rate may not be really interested in an income tax credit. Yeah. The Colorado Gerontological Society, you're having your annual Salute to Seniors. Well, it's going to be on March the 2nd at the Colorado Convention Center. Um, It will be from 9 in the morning until 3.30 in the afternoon. And we'll have a usual round or lineup of um, entertainment. So it'll kick off in the morning with the opening stage performance with Fred Ellis, Mm -hmm. who is a cowboy poet and humorist from Canyon City. Uh, He promises to bring his boots and corral gates and (laughs) hay bales and all those wonderful things. He starts off the morning. We then are going to be doing a tribute to Glenn Campbell. Yeah. Um, And Glenn Campbell, as many of you know, had a very long Um, country western kind of popular uh, run for many, many years. Yes, Mr. Rhinestone Cowboy. That's him. (laughs) And he um, died of Alzheimer's in 19 or 2017. Um, So we'll be doing a tribute to him and his work. And then we'll close off the afternoon with a last show um, also done by Jimmy Moss, who will be doing the Glenn Campbell tribute and Mr. Maz uh, will do a rock and roll um, kind of back to the 50s, mm-hmm. Elvis Presley, Willie Nelson kind of songs. And one of the major things about coming to the uh, the day are, is the resource fair. 
the information you can pick up? Yes. Um, we have approximately 90 exhibit booths wow. that have signed up to be with us this year. There's a wide variety of folks again. Uh, United Healthcare, which is the title sponsor, will be there with information regarding health insurance, supplemental insurance, and just a wide variety of their products. Folks from the city and county of Denver will be there, and they'll have, again, information um, about services at the Department of Human Services, which includes things like food stamps, utility assistance, elder abuse kinds of programs. The fire department and the police department will be there. Also, the animal rescue folks will be there. And apparently they have quite a few services that they can provide to seniors, which I was not aware of. Um, So it will be interesting to learn more about those. Um, The Denver Public Library will be there as well. So that's kind of the major sponsors. In addition to that, there's, you know, insurance folks and home health. and um, Those helpers are there, but at the same time, you have the public agency resources that are there as well. Right. And it's always good to go get that information early before you need it. Yes, and Medicare will be there. The senior health insurance counseling folks will be there. Representatives from the Buffalo Bill Museum as well as the Black American West Museum will be there. Yeah. Um, and it starts at uh, 9 o'clock and goes until 3. 2.30. 2.30. And 2:30. then we're going to close off the exhibits at 2.30 and the last show then will start at 2.30. So you can actually plan to be there till 3.30, but the exhibits will close at 2.30. So the other thing that's going on that day is this will be the 30th anniversary of the Salute to Seniors. So we've done 30 of these previously. You're all grown up now. We're all grown up. Goodness. (laughs) But so we'll be doing some um, information just around things that we've done over the years as an organization. We'll be honoring Kaiser Permanente. They are the one agency that has been at every single salute for wow. the entire 30 years. Wow. And then the other uh, feature that will not yet be populated at the salute but will be available um, as it is launched is we're looking to um, provide information on vacancies. So if you're looking for um, affordable an, housing, affordable housing, that's a good one. Who has vacancies? You. There's a questionnaire that you answer, and then it basically will direct you to those agencies that have vacancies, or you can put in the zip code, or it's a variety of ways to get to it. Ms. Eileen Doherty, the executive director of the Colorado Gerontological Society, has been our guest on this edition. We do thank her for sharing the update and keeping us posted on the movement of the homestead exemption through the legislature. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay in your game. And we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.